I, the title of a message that I've sat down and I just sat down. It's been on my heart for about two weeks or better, and 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 I just started jotting down some notes as I thought and did a little study here and there, and and did some notes come to mind, and I would jot them down. So tonight, this afternoon, I just sit down and put some things um, in some what of a simple, I trust, format that will help us a little bit tonight. I've entitled the message, What Am I Going to Do With All of These Kids? <clears throat> Great title to a message. What am I going to do with all of these kids? I've heard you, some of you say that. Uh, no, I haven't. That's not true. <clears throat> but maybe you may have wondered that. <clears throat> Turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter number 3, and we'll <clears throat> jump into the text here and look at what the Bible says. We'll have you turning to several places tonight, and uh, <clears throat> so I hope you're prepared for that, and you got your Bibles with you. <clears throat> Second Timothy, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> Timothy chapter number 3, verses 14 through 17, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, that thou hast been assured of, uh, knowing of them that thou, uh, excuse me, that thou hast been assured of, let me start all over again, I'm going <clears> to... <throat> Butcher it here. Glasses are in order. <clears throat> but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, <clears throat> for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. <clears throat> this evening, I, I want to spend some time talking about the family, the home, particular, the children within the home. Uh, let me say as we begin, I may have to come here, Gage, I may be having some As we begin this evening, I, I want to just preface my comments tonight on by saying this I'm not an expert on the matter I'm not an expert on the matter I don't pretend to have every answer to every question on child rearing um, if you think that's the case then just talk to Gage for five minutes talk to my wife for just a couple minutes and we are no experts on this matter at all um you can go online. It's amazing to me that the amount of materials that you can find today on child rearing. You can go online and, and find all the experts and find all the so-called experts in their books that they have written, um, the self-prescribed experts, the PhDs and the MDs. There are literally hundreds of periodicals, booklets, magazines that are written. I just perused a few of these, and these were a couple of the titles. The Happiest Toddler on the Block. And now, that would be a good one to read. I don't know how that's accomplished. You'll have to get the book to figure it out. The Whole Brain Child. <clears throat> that's dealing with the whole brain, I guess, not the half a brain. Simplicity Parenting. Uh, who's up for that one? Give me, give me Get a whole a couple boxes of those. Simplicity Parenting. I like this one, The Explosive Child. So is the book about defusing him or uh, let him go ahead and explode? The, the Explosive Child. 
Peaceful parents, happy kids. How to stop yelling at your kids. Anybody got that book? I won't ask that. Another one, helping your anxious child. Helping your anxious child. The, the next one, the drama of a gifted child. The drama of a gifted child. Raising good humans. <laughs> Kylie tells you just the title right off the bat tells you where that one may be going. Raising good humans. Narcissistic mothers. Some of you might fit that one. The self-driven child. Boy, that must have come from Warren up that direction. The self-driven child. And I like this one. How to traumatize your children. This is a child-rearing book. How to traumatize your children. Some of you might just get that one just for the meanness. I don't know. Hope you don't get any of those. I, I don't have any of those books to bring to you tonight. Don't have any of those. I have any of those things to offer. The only thing I have to offer to you is this book right here. Uh, that's, that's all I have, and, and, and I can't offer you this book. And, and all I can offer you really is my experience, my experience for what it's worth. Others who have done this, and, and a lot longer than I have, they can offer you their experiences. <clears throat> and I, I'll just say to young families... If those who have little ones in the home, seek out godly counsel. Seek out godly counsel. Godly counsel of parents that God's put into your life and put around you. Uh, there's some godly counsel in this room. Seek out those parents that God has placed around you, older godly parents and grandparents. Seek out their counsel. Let me offer this. Also along that line, don't be upset when a gray-haired grandparent approaches you to offer advice for your children. Don't be upset, upset at that. Um, help in rearing and training your children. Don't look at that in a negative fashion. Please don't do that. Don't take offense at that. They're... Not there to hurt you or to hurt your child, but I dare say in a place like this, every single time, 10 out of 10 times, they're there to help you. They're there to encourage you, to help you uh, raise your children. <clears throat> and gray-headed people uh, understand they weren't born gray-headed they got that way by their kids and their grandkids. That's how they got the gray hair. Some of us are losing it. Um, no comments, Brother Leonard. <clears throat> but they didn't get that way. They got there by experience. With age comes wisdom. You know, it's occurred to us all that life has a way of teaching us. Would you agree with that? Life has a way of teaching us. So let those who have been taught more through life now in turn teach you with godly wisdom and godly counsel. Be willing to listen and consider the matter. If someone approaches you with a particular situation, be willing to consider the matter. If an older person corrects your child... Don't get upset about that. And I, I've seen sometimes where this is the case. 
it's taken personal. Like I'm somehow not doing my job here. That's not the case. Don't take it personal. If an older person, another parent in the church ends up correcting your child in a particular way, don't get upset about it. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. I think sometimes, again, it is taken personal. And that, dare say, never was the intended way. We tend to, I think, sometimes take offense at that. And so I just want to encourage you tonight, don't take offense at such a thing. What I'm saying is, is this. There's wisdom and in instruction. There's wisdom and in instruction. So if I could say anything to our young families tonight, receive the instruction. Go ahead and receive it. Receive the wisdom that comes with it. I've said it before, and I'll say it again tonight. The older I get, the more I realize I don't know what I don't know. The older I get, the more I understand that really how ignorant I truly am. And the older I get, the more I understand that, boy, I've got a long ways to go. I just, dumber than a bag of rocks, can't get out of the rain. You know, I just, I just need help in so many areas the older I get. And there have been stages in my life when I thought that I knew everything. That never happened to any of you all, I know. That you had it all figured out. Uh, there have been stages in my life that I knew everything. I've told you about my father. And when my father was pastoring, I had the opportunity to sit in his home one day at my mother's house. And that was after a great Sunday lunch and and had been to church there at Gethsemane Baptist Church in, in Adwolf, Virginia. And, and I knew that my dad was dealing with a whole lot of issues within the church. And, and after a wonderful meal there, I just began to, I thought I'd just enlighten my dad to my wisdom. And I began to tell him, if I were pastor of this church, this is what I would do. And I would do this. And I would do that. I had every problem that he was facing just laid out. He just couldn't see it. Why was he so ignorant? And I had all such truths. And he said to me, son, you are dumber than a bag of rocks. And I look back at that day and I, yeah, I, I am. I am. But there was a time when I thought I just knew it all. Um, there was a time when I've come to the place and maybe you're dealing with people like this in your life. Maybe it's a teenager that says, I'm an adult and nobody can tell me what to do. That's ginormously foolish. Foolish. It's a foolish statement to make. Seek wisdom. Seek counsel from others and allow that wisdom and counsel to sink into your heart and it's there for a reason. Seek it from those who have 20, 30, 40, and dare I say 50 years of more of life experience than you have. Go ahead and just seek that counsel. And let it sink in. Life experience has a way of teaching us things that. Because we've not lived life to this degree. That we just don't understand. And you'll find as you get older. As we all get older. That's always going to be the case. It'll always be the case. I believe God gives us children. To raise, not so often, yes, it is our responsibility to raise them. God gives us children to raise, but I think he also sometimes gives us children 
so that he can continue to raise us as his children. God puts those children in our lives and we think we got it all figured out. And God says, I'm giving you these children and I want you to raise them to, to love me. I want you to raise them to be sent out by me. And I want you to raise them in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. But along the way, I'm going to teach you some things with these children. And I believe God does that. He has a way of turning things around for that purpose. And he does such a masterful job at it. Let me just say this. Parenting is hard work. <laughs> uh, you, a fool would say it's not. And you have to be blind. You're an ostrich with his head in the sand a foot deep to say it's not hard work. It's hard work. And I admire all the mothers here. When we come to Mother's Day... I, I'm appreciative of the mothers. I was encouraged this morning. We had seven, seven little ones between three and five years of age in Miss Penny's Sunday school class. Wow. That's exciting. You know what that is? Training the next generation to know the Lord. It's hard work. Children, let me, let me say this also. Children are a blessing... And not a burden. Children are a blessing. And not a burden. Sometimes I think we need to rearrange. Our attitudes with this particular thing. Because it's hard work. We got to be careful that we keep this. Correct biblical perspective in place. Now. Planned parenthood. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. In the days to come. And I understand that planned parenthood is making. Uh, is seeking to make a way back into Chattanooga, into the city. And so there's an opportunity for uh, a petition, a signed petition, and we'll be talking about that and giving, letting you know how to have your voice heard in this matter. We don't need planned. And what a contradiction of terms. But they're seeking to, to, to get their way back into Chattanooga. Uh, but... They've got this thing all wrong. They think children are a burden. They think children are a burden. That's why they can... I'm not trying to be gruesome. Just factual. That's why they can dismember and abort babies from the womb and discard that tiny, tiny baby's body into a dumpster. That's, what they can, that's why they can do such a thing. And think they're doing a good work. There's a, a bill that's, I don't think it's on the governor, the Tennessee's desk yet, and Governor Lee, but it's a bill, it's called HB 1181. This bill was brought forth by a legislature, uh, legislator out of Murfreesboro. And this bill requires that aborted babies be given a common, decent burial. That's what the bill is set forth to do. It, the, abortion is the law of the land, and we need to pray that changes. But this bill, this particular bill, simply says this. If a child is to be aborted, then give that child the decency of a burial. Rather than a dumpster. You see, there are laws on the books today in Tennessee that require 
if you take your dog or your animal to the vet and that dog or that animal is put down, there are laws that require that the vet handle that dog or that animal that's been put down in a, quote, humane way. This particular bill is simply requiring that others do the same thing to a human life, to a helpless child. Again, vets are required to give dogs a burial, but aborted babies could be discarded literally in the trash can. And in in the debate in the House over this particular bill, there was a a lady that came in. uh, She ran Planned Parenthood in Charlotte, North Carolina, and she began to tell what took place in an aborted facility, an abortion facility. And, and she was once on that side, and now she has come to the pro-life side. I trust she got born again, came to the light. And she saw how gruesome and how wrong that the things that Planned Parenthood and the things she participated in at once, how it was and how gruesome it was. And she began to talk about some of these things, and, and it was just hard to listen to, but she, she was heartbroken as she told she mentioned that in Planned Parenthood, in the place of abortions, that they talk about the product of the abortion. It's taken the humanity out of it. It's taken the child out of it, the human life. It's simply a product of abortion. Pray for our legislatures. Pray for those people, those men in places in these things. Pray for our governor. But... Children are a blessing, not a burden. Children are not burdens, but blessings given by God. Turn with me to the book of Genesis chapter 4. We go all the way back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 4. And we'll have you turn to a couple of places tonight. Genesis chapter number 4 and verse number 1 in your Bible. Genesis 4 and verse number 1. And Adam knew Eve... His wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Wow. You know what this she's saying? God has blessed me with a gift. I've gotten a man from the Lord. She saw this child as a blessing from God. And God does all things well. He is good to his people. He says, I've got a child. What a blessing. What what an encouragement that is. She was excited. I believe they were excited about this. Go with me to Psalm 127. Psalm 127 in your Bibles. Verses 3 through 5. Psalm 127. Verses 3 through 5. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is, what does it say? His reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them, 
they shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Happy is the man who has his quiver full. It's a blessing, the, the reward. I've heard people say with regards to a large family at times, you know, it's a shame that they have so many kids. They ought not have so many kids. You know, they ought not be bringing kids into this world and they know how bad this world is. Isn't that awful? They have so many kids. That's not what the Bible says. It's not what the Bible says. Children are assets to your life. Assets in your life. And that's why God's given them. Assets to your life. Verse number 5. But they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Speak with the enemies in the gate. The, the gate is the place where business would transpire, where transactions would happen. And, and, and so there was always something going on. There, was, there would be the, the court of the gate, and there would be all the businesses of things. And so in this place, they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. If you're going to, it was, it, I get the mindset, it's like this. If you're going to mess with dad and mom, you're going to have to mess with me too. If you're going to mess with mom and dad and do wrong by them, you're going to have to answer to us youngins along the way. They're a blessing. They're assets. They're, they're to be arrows. You know, without arrows in a quiver, in that day, without arrows in the quiver, when the battles of life come, you're more vulnerable to the enemy. If there are nothing to fight with, if they're in the battles, if there's nothing to shoot with, then you're more vulnerable. He says these children are like these arrows which give us the ability to stand strong in the day of adversity. It's said that, interesting, I don't know where they come up with this, but in 2020, the average American family, get this, have 1.93 children per family. 1.93. How do you come up with that? Have you seen that? The other, if, you, if, you, if you've seen that other 7%, then alert somebody. They, they left their kid behind. You know, we have come to a society where children, I think, I'm fearful of seen as a burden. God says there to be a blessing. Children are assets. They are assets when it comes to old age. Assets when it comes to old age. To have somebody to come alongside and care for you in your old age. Children are an asset. You don't really maybe think about it when they're little. But you know, life has a way of turning the tables on us. We who, quote, know everything, now become the children of our children. They become the parent of us older people. And, and so you see, they become assets. And let me just say, I think it's, it's good to train our children to take care of our older folks. I appreciate Brother Ms. Green and how they brought his mother up from Florida and cared for her until she passed. Very difficult, difficult days, hard days. But you know what? They honored 
her and they honored God. And you know what? To mama, they were an asset. These kids were an asset. Praise God for them. Praise the Lord for them. Assets for us, but they're not only assets to us, but they're assets to the gospel. Think about it. Assets for the gospel. And I believe we ought to look at our children as in this way, in this fashion. We are raising the next generation of missionaries, of pastors, of evangelists, of ambassadors for Christ. Arrows shot out of our homes and of our churches to win the world for Christ. It's said that the the Muslim population is flourishing because they're having more children. They, it's said that they will overtake us simply by way of population just because they're having more children than us, than Christians. We're raising the next generation arrows to be shot out. Your family, your children are the only things, the only things that you can take out of this life into the next one. We're not going to take our portfolios. We're not going to take our houses or our cars or our things or our material things. But we are and we do have the privilege of taking our children, taking our families. It's the only thing that you'll take from this life to the next one. To heaven. Take your children with you. Children are a blessing, not a burden. Just lay a foundation there. Children are a blessing, not a burden. But let me say this. Children, I'm talking about children as a blessing or a burden when they're given to us as little ones. But I do understand that children can become a burden. When they're given to us, they are not a burden. But children in life can become a burden. But that's not God's doing, and that's not God's plan. Children become burdens because that's sin's doing. It's not God's plan. It's not God's desire and His purpose. But children become burdens because that's sin's doing. Proverbs chapter Number 10, verse number 1. Psalms, Proverbs. Look at your Bibles. It's Proverbs chapter 10, verse number 1. The Proverbs of Solomon. A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. Look with me at Psalm 15, verse number 20. Excuse me, Proverbs 15, verse number 20. Forgive me, Proverbs 15, verse number 20. Did I tell you Proverbs, Psalms 10? Did I tell you, have you turned in the wrong place? So I said Proverbs 10, 1 first. Second, Proverbs 15, 20. Proverbs 15, 20. A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish man despiseth his mother. There can be times when children can be a burden. Proverbs 19, verse number 26. Uh, 
He that wasteth his father and chasteneth away his mother is a son that causeth shame and bringeth reproach. Now, this takes place because sin is present. This takes, takes place when sin is, is left to run rampant, left uh, unrestrained and unchecked. We have a, I think in society today, we have a mistaken idea that our little baby girl or our little baby boy is so, so innocent, so, so sweet. And my little baby could never do anything wrong. Look how sweet. Look how innocent. We say this. We have good kids. Boy, they're just good kids. They may get into trouble, but they're still good kids. They may get... Messed up along the way at times, but they're still good kids. You know, and I'm not, please, i got to be careful when I preach this, but someone didn't say, well, you're singling me out. That's not the case. But let me give you an example of a, of a three- or four-year-old. Maybe he's in church, she's in church. Maybe they're at the store, they're out somewhere, and that little three or four year old. Now children, they don't have the capacity to sit like us. And, and, and I understand that. And we shouldn't necessarily expect a child to come into a church service and sit for an hour. I understand that. They're learning. They're growing. But that little child is throwing a temper tantrum. You, you ever seen one throw a temper tantrum? You know, they throw their head back and they bow their, 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 their back here and, and, you know, and you can't do anything and you can't hold them and they're kicking and they're screaming and they're throwing a temper tantrum. And then that little child is saying, I, I want what I want. I want my candy. I want this and I want that and I demand that you give it to me. And if you don't give it to me, I'm going to throw my temper tantrum. Now, you take that and you take a, a 19-year-old College student. Just come back from his first semester of college. And now he comes back home and he, dad says, son, you remember you, we got rules in the home. You got to be in by a certain time. It's what we're going to expect from you. And he rears up and says, daddy, I am my own man. I'm going to do what I'm going to do, and nobody can tell me what you want me to do because I'm my own man, and I want to do this, and I'll come in when I want to come in, and these old rules that you used to have, I'm throwing them all out the window. What's the difference? What's the difference? A bad child is not the product of its environment. There's no difference between... That little child who's throwing the temper tantrum and the 19-year-old just home from college saying, Daddy, you're no longer in control of my life. They are both sinners. That's where it starts. They are both sinners. 
One is, just happens to be a little more educated about his sin than the other one. A, quote, bad child is not the product of his environment. He is not the product of his friends. I, I've heard people say, well, if we can just get Johnny some new friends, he'll be okay. A bad child, one that brings disgrace to the home, he's not the product of his opportunities. Well, the government has done this. You know what? There was a something thought a long time ago. If we'll take all of the, the gangsters and if we'll just, if we'll take all of their homes and let's just raise them and just put them in the ground and we're going to build them nice, beautiful communities. We'll call them the projects. We're going to give them a free house. We're going to decorate their, put gardens in the middle for them. So that they will feel better about themselves. Feel better about their opportunities. You realize there's police officers that will not go into the project areas today in many of our large cities unless they have backup. Just can't do it. Won't do it. Not the product of the opportunities, the lack of them. A bad child is the product of his sin nature. The product of his sin nature. As parents, we must understand we don't start out with good kids that somehow just go bad as teenagers sowing our wild oats. And that's something that they just naturally do. We don't start out with good kids that somehow go bad as they go through life. We start out with a child who is born with a sin nature. Little Mary at four throwing a temper tantrum and big Larry at 19 are still part of the sin nature. That's the issue. Psalm 58 and verse number three. Go with me to Psalm 58 and verse number three. Psalm 58 and verse number 3. Look at this verse. The wicked are estranged when they became teenagers, when they got new friends, when they didn't have all the opportunities. What does that verse say? The wicked are estranged from the womb. And they go astray as soon as they are born speaking lies. I'm sorry. I'm, I hope I'm not bursting someone's bubble about our little ones. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. And, and what I'm trying to do is lay an understanding and a foundation. That the, the thing that we must deal with in training our children is understanding that the greatest need our children have is this issue of a sin nature. That's what they're dealing with. And because they're dealing with it, we as parents deal with it as well. Look with me at Psalm 51 in verse number 5. Psalm 51 in verse number 5. David said, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. This goes all the way back to Conception, David says. In sin, that's not 
the act. That's the sin nature. Proverbs 22 and 15. Proverbs 22 and 15. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. But the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Maybe, we won't have time to tonight, but maybe in the next weeks to come we'll deal with this particular verse. With this matter of the rod of correction. But he says here that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. It's bound up in the heart of a child. James chapter number 1. Go me to the book of James chapter number 1. James chapter number 1. Verses 14 through 16. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And when sin is finished, it bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. You see, the issue here is the heart. You see, I think we spend so much time on the outward do's and don'ts of our children that we fail to parent the heart of the child. The issue begins in the heart. We often think, and I'm fearful that this is the thinking of so many. If that church simply had a better children's program. If we had better Sunday school teachers. If that youth pastor was more engaged. More inviting. Boy, if he did more fun stuff with them. If they had better friends. If I homeschool my kids are going to turn out. Just right. If, if I could have had these things, my kids would have turned out okay. And the reason they went bad is because one of these things, but we say they're really good kids. They just need a chance to prove it. Really good kids, they just hadn't had a chance to prove it. No, the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We need to come to grips that our kids are sinners. Just like us. And they don't need to be given an opportunity to prove it. They're looking for opportunities to prove it. Your child. And I is one. All of us were and are. We were born with a rebellious sin nature. And because of this, our children need Christ. Our children need Christ. They need to to know Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And that's why we begin Sunday school classes again. They need Jesus in their lives. When they truly find Jesus, mom and dad, when we're parenting the heart and pouring Jesus into their lives, our parenting will become much easier. I truly believe. Doesn't mean that it's all finished. But I do believe that 
that once that sin nature is dealt with and God's the only one that can deal with it, they need to be saved. First, Second Timothy. We go back to Second Timothy chapter number 3. Verse number 15, that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith that is in Christ Jesus. A child has a sinful free will, and a parent's job is to train and teach that free will. And the goal of a parent is to see that sinful nature changed. And it only happens through salvation. And let me say this. I truly believe that, that some of the things that I share here, we can do perfectly. And I use the term religiously. And part of another message I'm preparing on is doing it as a team. Training as a team. We can do these things Rightly. But there's no 100% guarantee that child is going to turn out the way we would hope it. Because you see, it's that free will. That child must at some point in time choose to take hold of the truth that you've poured into his life. And he can go through life even though you're pouring truth into him. You're... You're living your life as God would have you live in front of him. That child must one day choose or not choose. So you may have done some things right. And I, I want to be careful tonight. I don't want to uh, make a parent. And, and it, this is not true. And you have poured your life into your child. And you have uh, bathed them in the things of God. But that child now has gone another way and gone away from God. Uh, don't you dare let the devil beat you up on that. Don't you dare. Because that child has a free will. And every child, every individual must choose God or choose not going with God. That's their choice. So don't you dare let the, Bible, let the devil beat you up on that matter. They have a free will. But I do believe that it is incumbent upon all parents to do all they can to pour Christ into that life. I do believe it's of utmost importance that, and I do believe that there's a better opportunity and a better chance. Does that mean every single one will? No, but I believe it's a better opportunity and there's a better chance for that child to turn out for Christ. Turn out with a heart for God. Does that mean it'll look perfect? Does that mean that, that in every turn and in every uh, fork of the road that they will make a decision that we think they ought to make and they'll make a decision that, that we think is the right one? It doesn't mean that at all. There are going to be some cases, there are going to be instances, and we are to give grace in those circumstances. And understand, as those children grow older, they're going to have to make their own choices. You and I as parents cannot make the choices for our children. As much as we may want to do that, we cannot. But I believe the place to start is understanding that our children need to be saved. And it only comes by way of knowing Jesus Christ. The place to start training our children is to realize that they have a sinful nature. Sinful by nature. And we need to do all we can 
so that they might come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. The only difference between Screaming Mary and Rebellious Larry is they both need Jesus. They both need the Lord. From a child that has known the scriptures, they're able to make thee wise unto salvation. Let me give you in just a couple moments, let me give you several foundational thoughts that I just jotted down this evening that <coughs> I won't be able to get into detail, but I, I thought, thought, hope that they'll maybe just a little helpful. Several foundational thoughts to consider with regards to training. First of all, and I've already mentioned it, there must be a foundation of dependence. We're to instill within our children a foundation of dependence. He says, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith that is in Christ Jesus. A foundation of dependence, dependence of faith. And that's what I've been talking about, that salvation that's in Christ. It has to start here. It must start here. And before we can build from there forward, I believe this is the starting principle. Helping them come to know Christ. When does that happen? I, I, I don't, that's up to the Lord. And we've seen children and talked to children and say, I want to come to Jesus. I want to get saved. Wonderful. Do you understand sin? Well, no, I'm not sure what that is. You know what? It's okay. It's okay. In fact, they're asking questions. It's wonderful. And there's going to be a time when, as they grow, and you keep them under the Word of God, as they grow and they see you living out Christ in their lives and in your home, they're going to say, I want to be saved because I'm a sinner and I need Jesus Christ in my life. That's the starting point. There must be a foundation of dependence. It must start here. We're not looking to raise smart kids. We're not looking to raise academic kids. We're not looking to raise athletic kids. We're looking to raise Christian kids to come to know the Lord. Number one, there must be a foundation of dependence, saving faith. Number two, there must be a teacher. There must be a foundation of authority. There must be a foundation of authority. I think we need to instill in our families, in our children, a, an understanding in as simplistic as we possibly can, an understanding of authority, God's authority. It must start there, God's authority. It seems like in our society today we have criminalized the authority and legalized the criminal. You know, all this mess that you see going on in the news today about this trial that happened, that's going on now. You know, that would have never happened if the man hadn't been doing the crime. Now, I'm not saying that those things that transpired out of that were right. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm simply saying there are consequences to doing wrong. And now we've legalized the criminal and made the authority now the criminal. Something's twisted. We need to lay a foundation of authority, God's authority. It starts there. There must be a foundation of authority in the home. Daddy, mommy. There must be a foundation of authority in the church. 
in the church. Spiritually, a foundation of authority. There's, there's daddy that's under the authority of God. There's mommy that's under the authority of daddy. There's children that are under the authority of mommy and daddy. Listen, and if we as parents are not obeying our authorities, how in the world can we expect our children to obey us as their authority? Something like this. Son, if I don't discipline you here for disobeying me, God will discipline me for disobeying him. Do you see it? God's going to discipline me. If I don't discipline you. You see the, the, the foundation of understanding of authority. God's authority in our lives. It starts with God. Number three. There must be a foundation of accountability. Not of authority but a foundation of accountability. Along the same lines as we just mentioned. But one day we all will be held accountable for our actions before God. Every single man, woman, boy and girl. We're going to stand in Give an account before God. A foundation of accountability. You know, what we do wrong, we will not inevitably forever get away with. It may be hidden from mommy and daddy for a time. And they may never know. They may never know. But God knows. God sees. There must be the accountability of the Bible. The accountability of what God says. The word of God. Teach them what God says about lying. Teach them about what God says about stealing. Teach them about what God says with regards to anger. With regards to being unkind. Teach them what God says about this. Foundation of accountability. A foundation of authority. A foundation of dependence. Number four, it must be a foundation of importance. Begin to lay in your home a foundation of importance. And, and let me start here by saying an importance of priority. An importance of priority. And what I mean by that is God first. God first. Son, I understand that that's what you want to do. And I understand this and, and I hear you. But, but it's taking us away from the things of God. A foundation of God first. A foundation of importance. Priority, God first. A foundation of serving others. I think that's the key. A foundation of serving others. It's not all about what you want or what I want. It's about what I can do for somebody else. It's, it looks like this, maybe this way. And I, I'm just pulling out some examples. Uh, son, daughter, we're, what we're going to do is... And rather than being the first through the line, we're going to sit back and make sure everybody else is served first. And we as a family are going to bring in the rear. You see, if there's not enough, it'll be okay. We'll get a baloney sandwich when we get to the house. But it's about serving others. Putting others first, a priority of putting God first, a priority of serving others. And there's a, let me throw this one in, there's a priority Importance of priority of respecting others' property. I think a child ought to be taught and he can be trained 
to go into another individual, someone invites you into their home, that that child can be trained and can be taught to go in as a guest and not destroy the home of the individual that's invited you in. That ought to be a priority. Respecting the property of others. No, we don't touch that. No, we don't do that. This is a, this is a matter of importance. Importance of priority. That ought to be the importance. Lay a foundation of the importance of church. Of the house of God. The place. This building. I understand that we don't come here because God resides here. But it's a place where we come and we worship God. I think there ought to be a, an importance of the structure itself. The structure itself. It's a place of worship. That's why we've come. We are here to take care of it. We're here to make sure it's cared for. That it's clean. That it's inviting. That when others come in, uh, that... that there are no crayon marks on the walls. I'm just simply saying there ought to be importance of these matters because we're going to church. This is a place where we worship God. This is a place where we meet with the Lord, with other believers. Well, see the importance of the church, the place. Well, see the importance of the church, the time. The time. It's not playtime. It's worship time. When we come to church, we come to church to worship God. It's God's time. And God's time trumps everything else. It trumps everything else. And anything that keeps us away from coming to church the time, we can't do it. You know what? I think we ought to Make it a point to train our children to expect to come to church. I feel like sometimes maybe we as parents facilitate it. We say, oh, man, it's Wednesday night again. You know that church has, still has services? Yeah, I hear that other church, they've cut off their Sunday night services. And they don't even have Wednesday night services half the time. Maybe we can gravitate over that way. But it'd be a lot easier. Man, I'm tired. Rather than having that attitude, boy, we get to go to church tonight. We get to go to church today, kids. Let's get up early. And let me say in prioritizing our time, if we're staying up till 2 and 3 and 12, 2 and 3 in the morning on Saturday night, we're not able to come and worship. We're not able. We're not able to get our kids up. Get them in bed early. Prioritize Saturday nights. And we've done this throughout our entire lives we, we say, you know what, I'd love to participate in that party. And we'd love to have uh, that time of fellowship with you. But it's going to keep us out too late on Saturday night. And we'll be worthless on Sunday morning. I can't do it. Why? Because the place and the time is a priority. In my family and in my home. Trump's everything. The importance, the importance of keeping... Our word. Keeping our word. If a promise is made, a promise needs to be kept. If something is broken, something needs to be paid for. 
The importance of keeping our word. Not just, well, you know, they didn't really mean it. Eh, just it's, it's no big deal. No, 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 no. It is. The importance of thankfulness. The importance of thankfulness. Just being thankful in every circumstance and in every turn. Just being able to say, thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. And so often, you know, we, we deal with our children because they've got this attitude and they're not about to say thank you. And so we just say, oh, he's tired. No, he's got a sinful nature. She's just sleepy. She hasn't had her nap. No, they got a sinful nature. You know what? Just like I do and just like you do. Really, you know what that says? That just shows us when we get that way and all these things come out of us. It just really shows us what's within us, doesn't it? Doesn't it really? And we're all there. But rather than just discount it and say, no, it's no big deal. You know, maybe they don't get the chocolate. They don't get the toy. Can't say thank you. The importance of giving. Importance of giving. We've been talking about faith promise. I can think of nothing greater to train your children to be a tither. Tithe at the young age. What little bit that's there. Be, be participating in faith promise giving. And, and, and to have them, Lord, you know that I appreciate Brother Edwards' little story about his son giving, I what, a five cent. And, but Lord, I, I don't have it. But Lord, I'm dependent on you to give it. And see God and let that child see God answer that child's prayers in some fashion. Maybe me, Ma, and Papa would give them that $5 bill. So maybe some of you, when you give them that, ask if it's okay with mom and dad, but you might be providing that faith promise. Plus, plus. Teaching the importance of giving. The importance of salvation. It starts there and I'm done. I'm sorry for going a little bit long. We'll come back and we'll pick up on this. 1 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. What am I going to do with all those kids? Well, I'm going to lead them to the Lord. I'm going to lead them to Christ. I want to see them saved. Amen? Amen. God has put a bountiful harvest in our hands here at Lakewood Baptist Church. Let's sharpen the arrows. Let's see them come to know the Lord. Let's send them out to win the world. That's why God's given them to us. Let's bow our hearts in prayer.